Welcome to Redemption City Church's Pastor's Corner, where Pastor Brandon K. Rochelle shares timely messages of encouragement and biblical solutions for life's tragedies, victories, and complexities. Today's episode, number four, titled Pastor Jack's Calling and Ministry Story. And I'm your host, Ezekiel T. Ostrowski. On behalf of this podcast and our ministry, let's make much of Christ today. Well, hello, everyone. It's Ezekiel here, your host on the Pastor's Corner, anchored by Redemption City Church. I'm here with Pastor Brandon K. Rochelle, the lead pastor of Redemption City Church, as well as Pastor Jack Davis, our Connections Pastor here at RCC. And today, each and every one of us are in for a special treat. Pastor Brandon, you're so good at casting a vision. Um, could you do that uh, for, for the audience today? Yeah, thanks, Ezekiel, for such a great opening um, to our episode number four. And it would be my joy, you know, to do that for our listeners today. Uh, so today, we all get the immense honor of hearing Pastor Jack vulnerably as he shares his heart, right, his heart through story regarding his church experience, his ministry um, adventures, and his unique journey into the role of being a pastor, a shepherd to God's people. You know, we're going to hear some of the joys and the sorrows that have come along the way and that and how that specifically has been a name for um, me and Pastor Jack, both a goal for us to get that done for quite some time. And that's namely to really unpack for people the deeper waters of who we are and how we got here and why we are so committed to Redemption City Church and really the global church um, in general. And Pastor Jack, my brother, I cannot wait. We've been working towards this, praying for this, anticipating and, and talking through this for so many months. And so I'm ready to sit back, listen, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, well, guys, let's not waste any more time to get going in today's content. So let's start this way. Pastor Jack, what was your church experience like growing up? Could you walk us through some of that journey? Yeah, well, I, I think I really have to just give thanks to my parents for being really faithful. Um, we pretty much were in the same church my whole uh, life growing up. And so by being in the same church, I think it honestly really rooted me in like a really healthy church culture. And so our church uh, was called North Point Evangelical Free Church. Um, it was uh, a really great church over in Corona, California. And I think one of the things that made it really great is we had a really wonderful lead pastor. His name was Pastor David Hegg. He, he still pastors to this day um, in a different church. And he uh, also teaches over at Master Seminary. So like he is a uh, he's a brilliant man and we knew it you know when we were at the church when I was growing up and I think the reason that my my parents really stayed there is he really just basically preached the word of God um, in a way that uh, just really just opened up the scriptures for my parents and really everyone else at the church and yeah, and so like I think we're just we're at a really great church, and uh, it really did um, shape me growing up. And you know, the thing is, like uh, he being a brilliant man was also a humble man, and uh, he said multiple times like that he was a better teacher than he was a pastor. And I would say he was a great pastor too, but knowing that he was more strong in teaching, he also uh, brought up like a, a team with him. And that team really filled in some of the things that he would say were, were gaps for him. And so it wasn't even just like this one man show. He, he definitely was a great lead pastor in that he led multiple pastors um, into caring for, for this church. Um, and so one of those men were actually uh, Pastor T.J. Uh, Verkudrin. 
he uh, was my first pastor as a kid. He was my children's pastor. And I really, I give these two pastors really credit for my just love for the Bible and my desire for more and more and more. Um, they were incredibly faithful to the word. And like, it was, it was a really great children's program. It had everything. It had the worship. It had the word. It had the conversations. Um, and it had the crafts, you know. But uh, I just remember being a kid and TJ would have these, um, or Pastor TJ, he would have these handouts he would give us that were, it would have all this biblical information on it and help explain like the background of like um, just the Bible story. So it would help us understand better, like the context as kids, you know, because as kids, it's a lot of times you're missing all the context. And I just remember really treasuring um, those, those handouts and just being like, wow, this was like a treasure to me. Um, because it, it gave me this knowledge about this word of God. And so you, you really easily you can see how like some of my love for the Bible and learning more about the Bible is being sparked at such a young age. And uh, yeah, and moving into like middle school and high school, I, I just was even more hungry. And so a lot of times, like we had a good high school and middle school ministry. But personally, I was just so much wanted like the deepest teaching I can get that honestly, most of the time I actually went to the adult service with my, my parents. I wanted to see um, pastor, pastor Hegg just like teach the word. And I wanted more and more and more. I'm sure so much went over my head as a kid, but it was still, I was still getting so much out of it. And I was like, I just felt myself growing as a kid and I, I just can never get enough. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful too, because uh, we really, I had a church was such a big thing in our life that even with the, what I just said, I think um, I, there's so much treasure there, but we, that didn't stop us. Like, like we weren't like just satisfied with that. Like church was really the center of our lives. Um, and so we weren't satisfied with just showing up on Sunday and learning. We, we were an involved family. And so um, we also did like a wanna. So this is like a, um, a group. Um, it's like a Bible club that happens midweek. There's games, there's like little preaching for kids, there's Bible memorization, and you go every week. And, and uh, yeah, we just, I did this from like, I think first grade. Um, and then I went all the way to the end, which is 12th grade. So like, this is my whole like childhood being in this wow. club. Wow. And it was like, I, I loved it. We all loved it. My mom actually she was the director of the younger kids and uh, I was really proud of her as I'm in this club and it only got better and better, honestly, um, because we, that the church in their wisdom, which I, I totally get why they did this. They, the church I grew up in, they did the Awanas up until uh, sixth grade. And then for middle school and high school, they didn't want that, that, uh, Awana there because they didn't want it to compete with the middle school and high school ministry. They didn't want to have a house divided. And I thought that was so wise. And so they didn't, they didn't host that, but um, another church hosted it. And uh, it was led by a pastor named Pastor Jim Harcrow. And here's yet another man who loves the word of God, who takes the word of God seriously, very no nonsense, very much like this is what the word of God says. So why would we not do this? Um, and his church is the one who hosted it, and he was very involved, and he actually led the Wana studies for us high schoolers. And at that point in Awana, like, now you're going through, like, a book, like, in-depth 
in a book of the Bible um, for a, like a semester. And just in it week in and week out, going to church, listening to David Hegg, a pastor David Hegg, and then going to Awana and listening to the pastor Jim Harcrow. I was just being filled with the word. And not just the word, but like a, an attitude of like, if this is the word, like we should live this out. This, this isn't just something to learn. This is something to do. And yeah. And so like my church experience was just like very full. <laughs> um, and then this isn't really church, but I feel like it really uh, fits into my church experience because it, it really fits into like the um, pursuing God with all, all our lives. And even though it wasn't church, I think it really like supplemented church even more. Um, and so I, I went to a Christian high school, um, like for, yeah, for all four years of high school. And, you know, even, and then, so after all that learning, I'm still getting more. I'm still having my Bible class every day. I'm in like this ministry team that we go like on mission trips and sing and, uh, and serve. I create like a skit team. I'm like the student chaplain. Like my life was just very Jesus filled from the very beginning. And it all really starts with what I said earlier, um, the faithful parents who, who go, this church has the word of God and we're going to, we're going to raise our kids in this one church. We're not going to move around. We're not going to keep on looking for new things. Like this church is what we're going to be uh, committed to and faithful to. And I think that really made all the difference for me growing up. No, that's really, really good. And, you know, when I think about just everything you're saying, it's, it, it, there's so many things that really stand out. You know, what, what I hear is you were blessed with pastors and churches who were taking the Bible and life seriously. And that led to you being a young man who took the Bible and the Christian life seriously. And that's just so, so good. It's just an example of discipleship. We always think about discipleship from a microcosm one-on-one. I sit with somebody over coffee or, uh, you know, I'm at the park and I'm opening the Bible, but really discipleship is this whole concept that um, the Bible's laying out from Old Testament to New Testament, led primarily by Jesus, the chief shepherd, doing it well. And so I love just hearing how a church as an entity led by a man or multiple men um, were able to do that and to create a culture of a serious Bible culture that takes the Christian life seriously and how that impacted you, Pastor Jack, to be a serious young little boy. And um, I also love how we get to see this example of um, two things. And I think um, what's often missing in so many people's stories is they have one um, and not both, which is faithful parents. Um, leading their children into the the scriptures, the Bible, and the Christian life, but then it's also your personal activation that you took seriously, right? It was it, it wasn't good enough just for your parents to kind of substitute or or present their faith to you like so many children. It's like it's their parents' faith, or there's young people that maybe their parents are are far from God and they kind of have a personal desire, but it's so hard for them to stay. Um, in in faith for Christ, when your mom and dad and all these other influences are pulling you in a different direction. But I love seeing what happens when faithful parents who are lifting up the renown of God's name, and then a young child who's saying, "I'm going to personally activate and I'm going to I'm going to ring my life out for Jesus." When both of those things come together, beautiful things happen. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Praise God for faithful churches and parents. <laughs> now, Pastor Jack, what time? Uh, when it comes to serving in the church within the ministry context, what was your experience like? Sort of take us on that journey from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a long journey, but a beautiful journey. Um, you know, really starting with kind of the results. 
um, I think is actually kind of important for this is uh, my family served a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Like I think we were at church between three to five times a week. Um, and I definitely, they were definitely modeled it. So before I ever really served myself, before I was old enough to really have an opportunity given to me, um, like as far as I remember, I, I just remember my parents serving and they served like with all their hearts. And so what would happen is um, naturally through serving, they created community with other people serving. And like, I grew up with like a lot of community. I grew up with like a lot of my life with barbecues every weekend with the people that we were serving with throughout the week. And it was a close community and we cared about each other. We loved each other. And there was just so much fruitfulness of these relationships. Um, and it all was because we served together. Uh, I just remember uh, when my church first had community groups, I was probably like in junior high at the time when they first were coming out. And this isn't my opinion now. I think there's this value with uh, community groups, but I remember being a kid being like in junior high and thinking they were so dumb um, because it's like, why do people need these groups? And the mm -hmm. reason I thought that was because I was just surrounded by people serving and thus creating community with each other, mm -hmm. a community that was so deep that nothing felt like it was lacking. Like it, it was the full meal deal. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't even comprehend why a community group would be useful. It felt like um, a halfway point that was useless. Right. And, uh, and I, I believe that there's room for community groups. Um, and I think there's a lot of great purpose to it. But I, I will still like um, maintain that I think that uh, if you want deeper community, I think that one of the best ways is by serving with people and building relationships that way. Um, I think that, I, I think there's a more naturalness to it. Um, and so like, if I had to choose between the two, I, I would choose the community through serving any day. Mm -hmm. Though I do definitely now in my, in, in a little more age and a little more experience recognize, yeah, small groups are, small groups are great. Right. And so that's what I kind of grew up with before I, I even started serving. And so I watched my, my parents serve um, every week, multiple times. Um, and so like I watched my mom, for example, she was the uh, Sparky director. So she was in charge of the first to third grade kids at Awana. Mm -hmm. And she was probably in charge of over 100 kids, like a few wow. dozen volunteers, I think. That's awesome. And yeah, like she was just working with these people like every, and, and you know, she's volunteering. This is, this is like a high level ministry all for free and uh, never complaining about it. And like my dad, uh, when I was in like fifth and sixth grade, he was my, my leader in Awana. Like, so he was the leader I would follow around and everything. And um, so I, I had this like up close look at my parents serving. And so by the time I was able to, uh, I was allowed to serve. Um, I, I started right, almost at the beginning. So like uh, eighth grade is when I started being an LIT. It's called a leader in training at Awana. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah we'd basically just be like these helpers for uh, these kids. And so I was helping with like the Sparky kids and uh, like just helping the best I could, you know? And so early, early I was serving there and and that just really sparked a lot of service uh, throughout high school. So like when for our older Awana, we had a leadership team. So I 
volunteered for that and I was contributing in that way. Um, and then we were occasionally doing stuff at church that my, my family was signing up for. And so we'd help out with stuff like that. My mom, my mom and uh, one of her best friends, uh, Vivian Catneys, they were like basically the bereavement committee, which basically was like, didn't call them wakes, but they were basically putting together wakes. Um, and so like, you know, we were always around church helping and stuff. And even at like school, like I mentioned this earlier, like I was the chaplain. I, I wanted to serve. I started a, a Christian skit team. I, I wanted to serve. I was in the ministry team. I, I wanted to serve. Like service was because I grew up around it so much and I saw the value and I saw like what God was calling us to. It not, not only was serving like kind of a no brainer for me, but it was like serving to the fullness of what you can is, is just part of the Christian life. Um, and not just like checking a box, but like one that is joyful. Like I was excited to do it. And uh, yeah, and, and like, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, they, they start to walk away from faith when they graduate college. But for me, it just, it was inflamed even more. And so like, I went to like Door of Hope for four years um, in my college days. I'm sorry, not Door of Hope, um, Mosaic. And this is not the same Mosaic as up here. It's a uh, Erwin McManus's uh, church. Uh, it's like a collection of churches. And so I went to like uh, the mosaic over in Whittier. Okay. And, and it was led by a man named uh, Pastor Octavio Martinez. And I just remember the first time I walk in, and this happens like every time I, I find my church. <laughs> first time I walked in, I knew I was supposed to be there. Um, and so I was like, yeah, this is my church after like being there for like 15 minutes. Uh, I just feel like the Holy Spirit tells me that um, pretty consistently in my life. But then the second uh, week that somebody's up on stage being like, hey, we really need help with kids ministry. Will anyone help? And this is my second week, but like, it's just so much part of the culture I grew up in. I was just like, yes, I'll serve. And so like, I, I went right into serving. And uh, ironically, even though I was like working with kids throughout my high school uh, years, I was actually really terrible at it. Turns out I'm a fairly good kids helper. I wasn't a very good kids leader. Um, but it, it didn't really matter to me that it, I wasn't very good at it. Um, because it was just like, I'm just going to put like my dedication in, I'm going to do my best to improve. Um, and so like slowly got better, like talking to kids and being able to like not accidentally talk over their heads and, um, and actually be able to listen to them better and things like that. And, uh, actually I, even though I wasn't one of the best, uh, kids uh kid helpers i um <clears throat> honestly i still think at the end of the day i made one of the biggest impacts because it wasn't the fact that i was good i wasn't that good at it but i really cared about the kids and i was like you know what i think that consistency is really important right so i was the only volunteer actually volunteered every week mm -hmm. because i believe that if you just keep on showing up randomly like the kids just will feel like the you know unstable ground underneath them but if somebody shows up consistently every week absolutely i think that it'll make a huge difference and so mm -hmm. i i did that you know and so honestly like the fact that i think i was one of the more impactful people in the ministry had nothing to do with my ability it just had to do with my commitment to care for the kids right and that was given to me from like all the serving uh eventually i went to portland and uh i went to solid rock for a while um i had a hard time getting into serving i was really trying 
Um, but there are just a bunch of roadblocks, unfortunately, with the ministry I was trying to get into. The ministry just didn't end up working out. So I spent like a year trying to move into this ministry, um, but it didn't work out. So I was, I was actually getting a little frustrated um, because I would just, I felt like a spectator. I hated it. For a whole year, I wasn't really serving. Um, like I was kind of, help, I was co-leading a, a community group, but honestly, it just didn't feel like enough. Like I just, I felt like I was showing up to church, not serving. And so I ended up having to leave Sod Rock. Um, it's a great church, nothing negative about Sod Rock. I love that church still. Uh, now it's known as a Jesus church, a collection of churches. Um, but for me, uh, my, my work schedule got in the way where I just, I wasn't able to um, go to the church anymore um, because my work schedule and my school schedule um, and honestly, if I really thinking about it, I think that part of me was just looking for something where I could serve as well. Like mm-hmm. we won't think if I was super involved, but I didn't feel like I was able to get fully connected in serving. And so I ended up like going the door open. And it was another ex- example of, I show up the first day, I feel like the Holy Spirit's being like, this is where you're supposed to be. But here's the funny thing. The second week I was there, it happened again. The children's pastor walks up on the stage and says, we really need some children's workers. Is anybody willing to serve? I go, yeah, I'll, I'll serve. Yeah. And so I go serve and like, I start doing kids ministry and within like a month I'm doing kids ministry. I'm doing coffee ministry. I'm doing communion ministry. I'm like, I just can't get enough, but I really actually, I, I love the room I was working in for the kids ministries, fourth and fifth grade kids. And, uh, I just, man, I just, I cared about the kids. And so I actually started dropping the other ministries and I transitioned to doing more of the kids ministry and I asked to do more and more. And to the point where actually I was like helping the children's pastor with some administrative work because she was fairly new and she inherited a lot of paperwork and stuff. And I was like, let me help you. Like, I just want to serve. And then eventually I became in charge of that room. And uh, I just, I just couldn't get enough serving. Uh, and then during the same time, like leading a community group. Um, and then after that, I, my, children's pastor changed and that children's pastor he helped me actually get the job at sunrise to which then i moved into full-time ministry uh so now like my work is ministry i am like i'm doing exactly what i've always wanted to do which is like serve 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 um and so like that's been like my long journey of just like I, i just can't get enough of serving and i really do credit just watching my parents example i and not like in a mindless, like, that's how they did it. So this is how I have to do it. But I watched their example and I, and I experienced the fruits of their example. I experienced what obedience to God looked like. I experienced the joy of serving. I, I, and not just like the, the peripheral benefits of like, oh, wow, if I serve, I get community. If I serve, I have a good time. But there's a certain closeness to God that you start to feel when you're giving your time and you're giving your effort and you're giving your energy to say yes to God. Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of experience of God. And I just, I I would, I would never trade that. And I I just have always, yeah, I I just, that's the experience that I I have been blessed to be able to, to have. That, that is so good, Pastor Jack. You know, I, I think it's probably one of the biggest missing ingredients that I see in so many um, young leaders today. And what's really what I'm hearing is just a testimony of experience and, some, and a young person that just really has been tested. 
and has lasted and has endurance, you know, and I think so often when I look at young leaders, you know, I've been privileged to work with interns. You've had a couple interns and they, they fade away and they want to skip all these steps. And what, and what I'm hoping that our listeners, whether you, you're aspiring to be an, a pastor or not, you could be aspiring to any leadership position. I mean, I, I want you to lean in and to focus on all of these steps of Pastor Jack's story. Um, there is faithfulness, there's obedience, there's long, this has been a long journey. So many different events have come. You know, we look at you today and you're this connections pastor, you're second in command of a whole church plan. You're doing all these, all these big things. But before there were these big things and these big requirements, there were the, the, the little things, dare I say, mm-hmm. and the faithfulness in those little things and that constant leadership. I just want to serve. That's all I heard. If we had to say, what is this section about? It's called, I want to serve section, chapter. <laughs> I want to serve, Pastor Jack. You know, you saw the vision of how important that was. Like, I got to get in the game and just saying yes to the Lord, yes to your church, and yes to leadership when you saw that need. And really, basically, you said you spent a lot of time under these pastors as like kind of like their executive assistant. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. a, we can call it a high capacity volunteer. I'm going to call it like their executive assistant who's taking on administrative roles. And here's what I love about that. Hey, all the young people leaning in, or maybe you're in, you're in a career transition and you're trying to bust doors down. You're trying to make your own way. Man, when we are just humble servants, God makes a way. You had no intention but to serve in the church and to respond to a call of a need. But in that, it led to that pastor who you were working under at Door of Hope saying, hey, I, there's an opportunity. I'm going to help open that door for you at sunrise. And I just love the sweet story of your faithfulness to God and God doing the work and yeah. taking that next place at uh, sunrise. And so that's just super, super awesome to hear. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more, Pastor Brandon. You know, I think all the people who are around Pastor Jack are experiencing and seeing the fruit of his faithfulness through his ministry journey. So thank you, Pastor Jack. And um, yeah. so, Pastor Jack, you grew up in the church. You served in the church. But at what point specifically did you did you know that you were called to be a pastor? Mm. Yeah, I um, uh, well, to my mom's credit, she knew way before I did. Um, my mom dedicated me to God's service when I was born. Um, but to her, maybe equally great credit, she uh, didn't let me know, which I'm thankful. There was no pressure there. There's no like expectation of like, my mom expects me to be a pastor. Um, but she, she just knew and she waited and she didn't tell me. Um, and I only found that out after I became a pastor that my mom had dedicated me to the Lord in that way. And uh, so, yeah, I grew up and I, I just kind of had this feeling like, yeah, maybe I should be a pastor. The problem is I kind of rejected that calling pretty early. Um, and it was a rejection out of fear. I, I was really afraid that if I were to be like a pastor, that I, I would lead people astray, that I wouldn't be good enough, that I'd be wrong, that I would be um, just, just not be able to have what I needed to be a pastor. And so like really early on, I just, I had that fear and I just kind of was hands length away and it all kind of came to a head. I think it was my junior year of uh, high school. Um, it might've been my senior. We were at year, we were at um, a winter camp for school. So Christian school, Christian retreats, winter camp. And uh, you know, we have speakers come in and one speaker comes in and he gives us talk about like, um, 
he was at a winter camp and some speaker said, what's the one thing you can't live without? And whatever that is, that's what you should do with your life. And uh, he said to himself, well, that's God. So I'm going to be a pastor. And, uh, and besides the, some obvious problems with that, when I was listening to that, I, I thought to myself, I don't think I'm good enough. Mm. Um, for this calling that I'm feeling. And so what I did is I went, well, what's the second best thing? What's the second thing I can't live without? I'm like, well, it's just caring for people. And so, and so in that moment I decided I'm gonna be a counselor. And that's actually what I started college um, for. I actually was uh, in the psychology program and uh, I was studying psychology. And I think it was my sophomore year that I actually got really frustrated with it. I I was frustrated with the fact that in psychology, it's, it's, it's a service. Um, you have people come in, you help them, they walk out that door and it's like they don't exist. You know, if you run into them in the street, you're not supposed to really acknowledge them. It's a confidentiality issue. Um, like you can acknowledge them, they acknowledge you, but you're not supposed to acknowledge them. And I, I was just like, you know, this is, this isn't where my heart is. Like I, I want to love the people of God and I want to be able to walk alongside these people and actually be in like Christian friendship, Christian relationship with people in my life. I I want to be able to walk in the store, see somebody from church that maybe I helped walk through a hard thing and be able to greet them with joy and be excited because this is a member of the church. I don't want to do this thing where I'm helping people and it's just a service. And that was coinciding with me um, being in Bible school for a couple of years because by like everyone had to do a, mi- a Bible minor. Um, and just learning that like a lot of things I was afraid of were actually like a lot of things that I'm like, oh, I don't know if like I was thinking correctly about this um, actually wasn't so wrong. And uh you know, some of the places I was weaker are starting to get stronger and some I'm in this education. And with that, I started becoming more confident that like this calling that I've always kind of felt like it doesn't have to be something that's fearful. It's something that doesn't have to be scary. And I, I can actually go pursue this call that God has given me. Um, and so my sophomore year, I changed my major, the Bible major. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be a pastor. This is what's going to happen. Um, and I wish that this story then became like this really easy story of how I became a pastor. But um, honestly, it was, it's been kind of a long journey um, because I got over like the fear of like being a pastor halfway. Mm. I still was fearful of like, man, can I do this? Even though I was set on doing it. And the reality is I had like no direction. Um, and so like I graduated from my Bible major and I was afraid still. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't feel like I can do this. Yeah, no, I get that. And yeah, and, and what I'm good at is uh, I'm really good at school. Like, I knew that. Uh, I, I've done a lot of school and I was good at it. I was like, well, I can prepare myself more and go get more school. And uh, of course, that's not what I should have done, honestly. Uh, if I were to go back and do it over, what I would have done is I would have... Uh, Found, I would have gone to my Mosaic church, gone to the main campus. I would have asked for an internship. I would have served faithfully. I would have got some experience. 
mm. where God took me with that. And then sure, maybe I'll get more education, but uh, when it supplements ministry, not as a uh, way of me trying to feel like getting more ready. Mm-hmm. But of course that's not what happened. I went to, to um, uh, I went to a grad school in Southern California for a year. I really didn't like it. Um, it they never, never talked about the gospel and there was some spirituality stuff that I felt was kind of weird. Um, and I got frustrated and I, uh, my, one of my closest friends, Ryan, he, uh, uh, he was about to move to Portland and we're having our last lunch. And I actually, for the first time, start like unloading all my frustrations about the school, the lack of the gospel. And I finished that conversation. I unload for an hour. I finished that conversation with, um, if I can just like find a school is all about the gospel, I'd be there right now. And he laughs and he showed me, shows me his phone to the school he's applying to, which is Western Seminary. And their, their tagline is gospel-centered transformation. Mm. And I knew right away, God wants me here. God was like screaming at me. God wants me here. Mm. And uh, within two weeks, my application was in. Within two months, I, uh, I was driving up. Um, I didn't even know I got accepted till the day before I drove up because I just knew God wanted me there. So I wasn't even waiting for an acceptance. Um, mm-hmm. I drove up with like no money, <laughs> like uh, nowhere to live, uh, no job. And God provided all those things within the first week um, because God, I, th- I really do believe God wanted me there. Um, and honestly, I think he was fixing my mistake halfway. Um, mm-hmm. I started at a school that was very heady, had a lot of heart. Um, and God in his goodness, even though I was, uh, re- resistant enough where I still was going to school, he put me in a school that was starting to work on the heart as well. Mm-hmm. That was focused on the gospel. And, you know, once again, what should have I done? I should have moved up. And even if I was doing school, I should have got an internship or something, but I was still too afraid. So I worked at a bakery for like mm-hmm. several years while going through school. And, uh, yeah, and so I finished school, and eventually my um, the children's pastor of the church I was working at, he got me a job at Sunrise, which um, quickly became a, a job as a pastor. And uh, you might think that, yeah, okay, cool. There's, that's the story. Jack became a pastor after the story. But, um, you know, sadly, I don't think that story was over yet. I was called a pastor, but I really don't feel like I was a pastor at Sunrise. I feel like they honored me as a pastor, but at the same time, I I don't feel like I was doing the pastor's work. Mm. I was really doing the work more of a director. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I I feel like I was really good at that job. And so I wasn't even questioning if I was a pastor or not. It's just like, yeah, I I do my job well. And I was like, I I really felt like I have made it. (laughs) Like I'm a pastor now. This was such a long journey. I'm so glad I'm here. And uh, yeah, it wasn't until I, I joined RCC and I started doing the actual work of a pastor, like the other 50% of what it means to be a pastor. Like I was doing 50% at Sunrise and then like I do the extra 50% at RCC and I, I realized, oh, I've been done this before. I, I, I this is this is really actually the first time I've ever been a pastor. And I realized there were just lots of gaps. And um, yeah, and so like, it's only been like a year and some months that I feel like I've actually been a pastor. 
And I've been really thankful because honestly, you know, uh, Pastor Brandon, you've, you've had so much experience as a pastor. I think you're on your 15th year now, I think. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're around there and it's just like, you, you've had a lot more experience and here I am just constantly gleaning and learning and like this giant gap of 50% of what it means to be a pastor. Like I've been, I've been filling it, but man, it is new and it still feels new. And like, it was even this week ending up in a situation where I'm like, I don't know what to do with this situation at all. Um, at least that's how I felt. And then having listened to you and being like, okay, I kind of instinctually was thinking some of this and that wasn't too far, but it's really helpful. You said this, 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 and this. And I'm really glad I talked to you before moving more into this because like this. And so it's like, that's like so many experiences I'm having, you know, like, Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that I have two degrees, you know, it doesn't matter that like I've been serving for so long. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, uh, being a pastor is, it, it's a, it's a different role. And I, there's nothing that I've done that could really prepare me for it other than doing it and having like pastor Brandon, you teach me, mm-hmm. um, along the way in real time. And so that was, that was my journey, you know, and I think that's really left a big mark on me for a couple reasons. Um, but the big reason is I look back at my journey and I just really wonder how I got here. Um, Octa- Pastor Octavio Martinez, he told me the way I should do it once, but I honestly didn't really have enough understanding and probably a lot of resistance that I didn't hear it. But other than Octavio, uh, Pastor Octavio, my whole life, I, I went to, you know, like I was in these churches that people knew I wanted to be a pastor. I was like in these multiple schools, three different schools, training to be a pastor. And I'm just so surprised that nobody ever kind of pulled me aside. It was like, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> like, you're, you're not like you're not actually on the path. You're, you're like on the side of the path. Mm. And I can't really blame any individual for it, but it, it makes me want to make sure that I don't let that happen to other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really like, you know, I see these young men wanting to be pastors and I'm like, Ooh, how can I help them sidestep some of the big mistakes I made? Um, and honestly, I've already found myself to be fairly vocal on it. Uh, and not like in a judging way, but just like, hey, listen, let me tell you my mistakes. And uh, I would love for the see you not make those same mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm a year or something in to actually being a pastor. I intend to do this for my rest of my life unless God calls me away from it. Um, because And like, <laughs> I will obey God's call. Uh, mm-hmm. Any pastor who stays a pastor longer than God wants to is not, not going to do well. Right. Um, but assuming that God doesn't pull me away, I tend to do this for decades. And my hope is that I am able to run into people who are in the same journey as me and, and help them shorten that journey and, and not allow them to, um, um, just continue on like a decade long journey to be a pastor. Like I did, um, at least not allow it, my, it through my silence, they'll make their own decisions, but I don't want to be a quiet bystander. Um, in that journey. And so that's, that's how I got here. And I'm thankful that God has, has got me here. And I guess my last thing for this is 
you know, looking back, I, I reconciled my past and I'm thankful for my education. I'm thankful for all the experiences I had. Um, if I were to do it all over, I, I would do it differently, but time isn't changeable. And so I look back and I appreciate all the, all the goodness, all the strengths, all the beauty that my past has given me. And I know that God will redeem the things that are maybe aren't as great, the things that were, I feel like were wasted. Um, I think God is, you know, God's not held back by me not making the best decisions, but I am also actively cherishing um, all the things that God did give me and how they do inform my ministry. Like, do I wish that I jumped in the ministry before doing more school? Yes, but I'm going to use the schooling I have to serve God to the greatest of my ability. Do I wish that I jumped in the ministry before, like, like, and not instead of like doing bakery work for years and years and years? Yeah, I, I wish I jumped straight into it, but I do have that bakery experience. And so like, how do I let um, so much customer service um, experience in like high traffic airport, um, how, how do I let that inform me as a pastor today? So I'm, I'm letting God, re like, I'm not, I'm not letting God, but I, I'm just open to God redeeming these things in my life and yeah. I've definitely have gotten to a place of um, just pretty much making peace with the past, even if I would have done it differently, if I were to go back. That is, that's so good. Um, first, I just want to just kind of meet you right there uh, where you started with just kind of honoring um, your mom, you know, and, and seeing that call in your life, praying for mm -hmm. that call in your life, but also, um, brother, allowing you to get there. You know what I mean? And that's something that's so important to me as a father of kids is allowing, you know, I can see some things that are three, four, five steps ahead for them, but to allow them to have that organic journey is so important. So um, I, I just love your mom. We call her Mama Davis here. You know, that's her official name. And, and I'm just so, 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 so not surprised to see her right in the middle of all those things. And, you know, it just really stood out to me when you were talking about just that early kind of rejecting the role of being a pastor out of fear. And I just wonder how many people, I mean, let's just, let's just call it what it is. This is called the pastor's corner. Um, and so we, we hope um, beyond even our walls that there are aspiring pastors that will tune in and, and listen. And, and, and if that's you, you are in for a treat right now, listening to um, someone who I cherish in my life and just his vulnerability as he's just kind of sharing his story. And so if you're struggling with fear, as you're preparing for ministry, or perhaps God's called you to missions or some other position um, to do kingdom work, and, and, and you're a little afraid, you're, you're kind of freaked out, um, and, and you, you can hear Pastor Jack saying that he was kind of settling for second best, like, okay, well, um, I, I won't call myself a pastor, I'll be an encouragement, basically, in people's lives. I hear it all the time, oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be a pastor, I just want to encourage people in the church, and that's a beautiful and a right and a true thing, um, unless God's called you something more, <laughs> you know what I mean, and so, um, I, I'm just so, so happy for you, brother, that you um, didn't choose to stay there um, and that God met you there. And, and instead of settling for a second best narrative, you chose God's um, plan and design for your life. And then I just wanted to kind of just even nuance with that whole counselor psychologist, me and Pastor Jack, we, we, we honor that position. We love that position. And even though Pastor Jack didn't choose that, I mean, these are resources that we um, have used and will use um, to benefit our people um, uh, because we believe that um, God is in that too. But really what I heard and which I just really agree with you on, even for my journey, is the difference between like a transactional service, which is more of what you're doing. They pay a fee, you give them a, a service. It's transactional versus a relational service. And 
Um, and, and so it's so awesome that we, me and you, Pastor Jack, get this opportunity to do this relational service with people where we can really fill a lot of those roles, right? That a counselor and psychologist do, not fully, but we can do a lot of that, but then we get to meet them again and again, and, 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 we, and we can hug them and greet them and weep with them and mourn with them and all these, these beautiful, beautiful things. So I, I just so enjoy hearing how you've become a pastor and you are that in every single way, shape and form. And I'm just gonna just kind of ask a question right now. We pastored in City Church talking to, um, to you, Pastor Jack, um, for a moment. And so I just wanted to say, what have been some of the greatest joys and sorrows that have come along the way as a pastor thus far in your life? You know, what are some of those kind of high moments of joys? What are some of those kind of lower moments of, uh, of sorrows? And, and if you can kind of just unpack that for us today. Yeah, you know, and maybe this is a fairly general answer, but um, I, I just think about the joys and the sorrows. And, I, you know, I really only feel like I've really been a pastor for a little over the, a year being at RCC. And I just found it to be really true, the whole thing where Jesus says, like, weep with those who are weeping, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. I, I just really think that the, yeah, like, people's sorrows really become my sorrows. Um, I, I care about these people in this church, you know, and I to just see their pain really does become my pain. And, and so mm. some of the greatest sorrows are just other people's pain. And, and I'm not going to list their pain <laughs> on this podcast. Um, but I, I find that to be very true. And at the same time, though, other people's joy becomes my joy, my rejoicing, and it becomes so exciting. Um, I just sent out like a newsletter um, to the people supporting me right now as I'm doing ministry and, and not really making a full wage through RCC. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just listed out all these things that our church has like been growing with. And man, it was just a joyful, 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 like letter. You know, I'm like, Hey, these people have been baptized. Like that is amazing. <laughs> you know, and uh, totally gloating over the fact that my mentee is one of them. And I was like, yes, like this guy got baptized. Um, you know, we have like baby dedications and like, man, it, it's been so exciting to be like children are born. What a joy. And then they get to be like dedicated into the church. Also, did I say baby baptism an accident? <laughs> yeah. Baby yeah. dedication. We don't do <laughs> baby baptisms. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> uh, I gotta be careful. Y'all gonna think that I believe in baby baptisms and that psychologists oh are bad at the end of the day. <laughs> but clearly, clearly not. Uh, but yeah, baby dedications where the children are like dedicated uh, in the church. And like you have this whole church being like, yes, like we care about this life. And it's just like being part of that is so exciting. That's you know, cool. and just like people come and they have like, I got a promotion or they're like, man, I um, just like my kid, like was able to accomplish this. And you're like, yeah, all these like everyday joys. And then you have like these church specific joys of like, man, I'm serving. And like, I didn't realize that serving could be like this. Mm -hmm. Or man, I, I was in that worship song and I connected to God in a way I didn't expect. Or that sermon changed my life. Like, there's these moments of just pure joy. Yes. I'm like, sure, I have my own personal joys. But honestly, being a pastor, 
a great, great joy is just watching other people have joy. And, and yes. even more, when you get to be a part of it, you know, like God's doing the work, but it is such a blessing when you get to be a conduit. And it's just like, yes, yes, this is beautiful. So those, it's a little bit of like the joy and the sorrow. Um, no, that's that really good. No, that's good, Pastor Jack. And right before we hand it back over to Ezekiel to land the plane on today's episode, I just want to ask you one more question. I mean, you're teaching us through your story, but now I'm going to ask you just in direct teaching. We're going to leave the, We're going to leave our script today. And just as I was listening to your story, I wanted to see if you would be just so gracious to our audience and to do some teaching. You know, one of the things that really stood out in your journey, and I just want to make sure that there's no stumbling block for uh, for the many people who may not have the story of basically, uh, man, it's like God is in everything you're doing. You know, so it's like, um, God told me, God told me, I knew, I had it, I was confident, I had no uh, no doubt about it, I got the job in one week, I got this in two weeks, and, and, and that's just beautiful, man, and we want to lift up that story, and you know, we have this kind of poverty gospel, the, the, the harder things are, the more holy we are, complex going mm-hmm. on, where it's like, oh, uh, he must not be legitimate, everything's too good, and it's like, oh, what, you murdered four people, and, you, and you've been to jail three times, and you redeemed yourself, that's the, that's the most legit Christian, and we don't want to be on any of those extremes. What I what I believe God's desire is we want to lift up, right? Um, it's so hard. One of the things that troubled me as a youth pastor was when I would have a young person, I would say, what's your testimony? I don't have a good one because I've been saved since seven years old. It's not a good story. What? Every single story. Okay, here, here's how you know you have a good story. You are a sinner. <laughs> you, you, you were dead, dead, dead to rights. And then Jesus Christ. The story is amazing and it's dramatic because of what Christ has done, not our sin and our muck and mire. And so I love your story. I love your story about the faithfulness of God from a young age and God just being in every single aspect of your life. But Pastor Jack, could you give a word to someone who maybe does not have that story? They move, they do all these things, and they don't get a job in one week. And they're on their fifth and sixth and seventh month, and they're still waiting on the Lord. What if that would have been their story? What if God didn't open the doors? What if they didn't have the five churches and all these things? And they're stuck wondering, is God still in this with me? Mm. Yeah. Well, top of my head, you know, I think about a couple things. One is I think a lot of times we see other people's stories and we see some of these like stories that we consider crazy, right? Like it's just Mm. like what you were talking about earlier. It's just like, oh, they went to jail and they murdered people. And now like now they have Jesus and what an amazing story. And I, I think honestly, that's just such a human perspective. Mm. I think when God sees our hearts, like I think that me and that murderer, like our sin is not, not all, not that all different. Mm. I, I think that the sin that I've been saved from, I think the evil in my heart that I've been saved from that the God is purifying my heart day in and day out. I think when God sees my heart and that murderer's heart, I don't think that there's as much of a difference in his eyes, if any. Mm. I think he sees like this evil, you know? And quite frankly, I totally recognize that too much has been given, much is required. Um, so often, you know, the person who like murders somebody, like how often like they not have what I have growing up. Right parents who loved me showed me church who brought me into a deeper understanding of god i believe i'll be judged more harshly based off what i've been given Mm. um and so at the end of the day like i do think that a lot of people look at these lives being different and what i see when i look at my own life and even more every every day is i i see a heart that needs just as much of a radical amazing miraculous grace 
than the worst of, of the sinners in people's eyes. No, that's good. And so that's, that's really, I think the big thing there is like, I think we underestimate how radical our journey is. Yeah. And I think the second thing is this, is I think that a lot of times we think about people's conversion stories as what God has saved us from. And that's true. But I also think that a lot of what God has done is was God has saved us to do. And once again, I think that we get into trouble by viewing it as through human eyes versus God eyes. Mm-hmm. I think that there are powerful pastors out there who are not doing God's work, who are operating out of a place of pride and selfishness. Mm-hmm. And they may look on the outside like God is doing amazing things through them. And he may be working despite them, but I don't think that they're pleasing God. Right. So like, I'm not saying that's all pastors, obviously. I'm just saying there are, I'm sure there are pastors like that. Um, where on the flip side, I think there's people who on a human way of looking, they look like they're not accomplishing a lot. They look like they're stuck. They look like somebody that maybe you wouldn't want to switch lives with. Mm-hmm. But the purity of their heart, they are loving people much better than anybody you know. Mm-hmm. They are caring for them. They are sacrificing. And they are doing more miraculous acts of good through the power of Christ that you can neither see nor imagine. And so my exhortation really is be careful to judge people's stories and people's lives based off the narrative that you have of what is good and what is bad mm-hmm. because the eyes of God pierce much deeper than you ever could. And I think you're going to be surprised at the end of time on who God is honoring and who God is not. Oh, that is, that, that is so mm-hmm. good. What, what, what good truth. Thank you um, for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pastor Jack, thank you so much. And I, and I believe that that will impact um, many people's lives and as they step into more of their story, trusting and believing in God um, because he is faithful um, to us. Now, now, Pastor Jack, I just want to um, give you this opportunity. If, if there's anything that you would like to share or give thanks to anybody um, to use this platform um, that have impacted your life and your journey and your story, um, that is open for you. And, and also, Pastor Brandon, if there's anything um, that you would like to share, um, uh, that that's on your heart or your mind as we um, close out this pastor's corner, you, you have the opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, I would just say like, I just want to share gratitude for all the people who really have been in my life. You know, I think we all have people who um, bring us to where we are. And I think about my journey and I don't think I'd be where I am today without the people there. And I think about other people's journeys and I, I think that, um, especially these, these young kids, you know, they, they need the people in the church. They need these people to care and to love for them um, and, and help them along this journey. And so in my personal experience, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful for like, you know, I'm thankful for my mom who, my mom and my father, but obviously my mom, because my father passed uh, when I was 13, my mom has definitely been in it longer. And uh, I just really, um, I'm thankful for all that she's really given me and, and really helped me like walk in this Christian life. And she set me up really well. So when I left for college, I was able to uh, really not be shaken. And uh, I'm thankful for every pastor in my life. You know, like I have only grown a deeper appreciation for the pastors in my life that I've had. And I've had some amazing um, pastors. And uh, also 
really honestly the pastor's wives as well. I, I know that, um, and from personal experience, so much of a pastor's ability, like, they just get recharged and, um, and supported by their wives in such a way that, uh, I think you'd be surprised how much power and ministry um, comes from a a wife who is supportive. Mm -hmm. And I think specifically of um, my wife and obviously also Jillian. Um, But growing up, there was one pastor's wife who spoke a lot into my life. Um, She was also my boss for a while at the bookstore. Her name is Lilia Martinez. This is Octavio's wife. And, um, I just really thankful for her because like I served under her ministry. I served in uh, like the workplace. And I just think about just, I think she's a great example of what a a team looks like a a family where a a man is called to be a pastor and um, just, it definitely is a lot of support there. And she was a great example before I ever became a pastor of like, this is what a, a pastor's family can look like this is what ministry in a family that's pastoring looks like and i'm really thankful for that example um and then obviously really great teachers in my life and but the two that i really want to thank right now is just like really everyone in this church you know this has been my first year in some months and i'm thankful that i'm you know i i wish that i had 30 something years of experience that i was operating out of in this church and I wish that like I was able to give that expertise and I was able to care for the church at that, that level of experience. Um, the reality is you have to live 30 years of ministry to get there. And I'm thankful yeah, I that this, yeah. And I'm just thankful for like uh, the fact that uh, I'm, I'm living life with these people and there is grace when I could have done things better. And there's also a lot of um, rejoicing when I, when I'm helpful and I, and I do the, the work of God. I'm thankful for the people that I live life in uh, like day in and day out with. Um, And then lastly, of course, I just want to say, Pastor Brandon, I I just really thank you. Mm. Um, I really do think just like, I wouldn't be a pastor today without you. Um, I, I really think I would probably still be some version of a director. Mm. And uh, I've been on this really crazy, wonderful journey with you. And I'm, I'm really, really thankful. Um, and so with all those thanks, I just want to give a last encouragement to the church is, you know, I think if we were all to look at the people in our lives and say, man, this person, these people, they helped me in my journey of Christ, we, we'd have a list. And I would just encourage everyone in the church, um, be, be on somebody's list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because somebody needs you and somebody's life can be incredibly impacted by you. And you may feel disqualified, not disqualified. You may feel like you're not qualified, much like I felt not qualified in life. Um, but it doesn't mean you are. And uh, to give into that fear is going to literally take away a beautiful gift from somebody else. No, that's really, that's really, really good. And there's not much more that needs to be said um, to that. I just want to close just with some honor um, to you, Pastor Jack, for taking this time and to honor Redemption City Church and those who listen beyond our walls. And, you know, the Christian speaking in Proverbs chapter 22, verse four says, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is three things, riches, honor, 
in life. And man, I just want to celebrate right now, Pastor Jack, because I believe that that's what the Lord has in store for you um, as you continue on this journey of being a pastor here at Redemption City Church and everything that is in store for you and your future is continued riches and, and honor and life blessings um, upon you. And the side benefit is that we as a church get to get some of that as well, um, because we're having a humble servant and pastor here. And, you know, Paul echoes this and joins in on the party in Colossians when he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, hopefully that's who we are, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness and humility, meekness and patience. And so um, more than anything, I want to continue to lead a church and foster an environment where we as God's chosen um, people put on that humility and that vulnerability so that we can be perhaps bridge makers between God and those whom he's called us to be a light to. And so Pastor Jack, thank you for doing that and modeling that so well for us today on today's episode. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Pastor Jack. Um, it, it is just a joy to uh, hear your story. And I believe that not only is it um, impacting others, I believe it's going to motivate others to step into their story more. And I just think it's a comfort for the people of Redemption City Church to know more of who their pastor is, as I believe it creates a unity um, with all of us here at Redemption City Church. So thank you for that. Um, we just, I just see the, the grace and the mercy and just the faithfulness of God over your life and what a journey it has been um, for you. But Man, I pray and hope that um, God just continues to, to shape this beautiful story as you take it day by day um, moving forward. Um, for, any, for all the listeners uh, who enjoyed Pastor Jack's story and, uh, man, just grew out of it and, and, and saw Jesus out of his story, um, you can be excited because Pastor Brandon will be um, sharing his story as well. Um, and I believe that's just important as well for our congregation that we just get to see both of our pastors, not only Pastor Jack, but now uh, Pastor Brennan, um, soon we, we get to hear, hear, hear his story and see God in his life. Um, and that should motivate us all. So thank you, um, Pastor Jack, again, for sharing your story and being willing and humble um, to do that. Um, after, after we sh uh, hear uh, Pastor Brennan's story, we'll be returning to our normal podcast um, from interviewing Pastor Brennan on conversations about biblical solutions to life's complexities, tragedies, and victories. So thank you for all who are listening today to today's Pastor's Corner. We hope that this ministry will continue to impact your daily life and shape you to look more like Jesus. Grace and peace. See you guys later. See ya.